Hello, and welcome to another episode of Trust on Purpose. And we're laughing because I apparently can't trust myself to use our recording technology effectively or appropriately or something like that. And it isn't even that early in the morning for me. <laughs> oh, I needed a good laugh. Thank you. It's 8.30. That's really not that early. <laughs> so we're here for another episode of Trust on Purpose. I'm Charles Feldman. And my name is Ela Edgar. Today, we wanted to talk about a really cool quote that I heard yesterday by Adam Grant. So I had the privilege of being in a room of probably 150 female entrepreneurs celebrating Women's Entrepreneurship Day. So met lots of great people. There's one particular speaker, and I'm going to say her name, Jessica Jansen, J-A-N-Z-E-N, who was, if I could add the F word here, she was effing spectacular. She spoke and told us a story that was gut-wrenching, hard, inspiring. I, I can't even describe. We were all sitting on the edge of our seat listening to every single word she said. And the story required that she rely on other people for help, that after a tragic event in her family, she really needed support and help. So she says this quote from Adam Grant, that seeking help is an expression of trust. And that, that really hit me. And I've been percolating on it since yesterday and the conversation before the conversation with Charles. When I share that quote with you, what comes up for you? Well, turning it around, trust when we trust someone, an aspect of that or maybe an indication of that, I think, is that trust allows us to ask for help. It's still hard for many of us to ask for help, even when we do trust someone, I think. At least that's my experience personally sometimes and also seeing other people, my clients and so on. Oh, I trust them. I just, I just don't want to ask for help. And that is, I think, to some degree, cultural. It's part of, you know, we're supposed to be self-reliant, at least here in the U.S. I think it's a bit the case in Canada, much of Europe, self-reliance. It's all about being able to do it ourselves. And so even though we may trust someone else, asking for help is a vulnerability that we're not necessarily prepared to engage. And yet, sometimes we really do, like this woman in the story, clearly needed help. And so she needed to reach out. And it sounds like it was an expression of trust that if she did not trust the people she asked for help of, she probably wouldn't have been able to do it and she'd have been stuck doing what she needed to do all by herself, which would have been incredibly hard to do. And there are those times when that's the case. But think about it in a work setting. She was doing it, in a, it was a personal life situation, but I've had clients in work settings that needed to ask for help or their lives would be much easier if they had been able to or willing to ask for help. And it was a real struggle, even though they trusted people. So one of the things that comes to mind is having trusting relationships with people. If you don't have them, that makes that whole process. Like you can't build trust when you need it necessarily. Mm -hmm. You can try and maybe you're lucky. Maybe the person you ask or the people you ask 
will show up for you, but it's much more likely they will if you have a trusting relationship with them already. So it's one of those things where that's the thing to do is have those trusting relationships in place before we need to ask for help so that we can do it. It's easier to overcome the reticence to ask. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things that comes up for me. What about you? And you, as you listen to this woman's story and then read that quote. There's a couple things that came up for me as I listened to her. And I think cultural, yes. I think that there's also, I know in my growing up years and what I saw with my mom was that you don't ask for help because it's absolutely a sign of weakness. And I think even in times in my life where I knew that I did need help, I wasn't able to make the request. Or if people were offering to me to help, I declined because it wasn't what I needed. And so I think we can also tie into here when we can make a clear request of what we need and take it from this overwhelming, oh my gosh, I need to ask for help because I'm drowning in this project. Can we start to focus on what do I actually need help with? And can I start with a small request? I don't have to stand with my kimono open, completely vulnerable, saying I don't know how to do anything because that's not true. But in this moment, this one small step or this one small request could really be helpful. Can I make that request of you? And that feels easier to get out. If you could see us, I'm like (laughs) holding back requests in my throat. That's often where they get stuck because I'm uncertain. I'm scared to, is it too much? Are they going to accept? Are they going to decline? But really, can we just make one small request? Yes. And they might decline is one of the things that is scary and vulnerable about making that request, that asking for help is, wow, what if they decline? What does that mean about our relationship? What does that mean about me? Can I recover from that (laughs) if I do make that request? But also, I want to go back to the, you know, can we make one small request? Can we sort of figure out what are the things that we actually need? (laughs) That's, I think, a good point. Just saying, well, I need help, but not being very specific about what that is. It then puts the other person you know, they're in this position of trying to sort out for you what help you might need and it might not be what you need. That's right. And yet sometimes, every once in a while, there are those situations where we just, we're so overwhelmed we can't even do that. Mm-hmm. And so that one thing that we might need is help sorting out what we need. Yeah. So even being able to say, can you help me just figure out what help I need because I'm overwhelmed? And sometimes that comes in as an offer. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you turn down offers for help, but sometimes I've had people offer that. I've offered that to others. It looks like you're struggling. How can I help you? Perhaps maybe just talking it through. So those are all places where trust really is valuable. It allows us to do that, even though sometimes we don't. We don't ask or we don't accept the offer. But then it's really on us because we have the trust in place and we fail to ask or fail to offer. In fact, I would say that that damages trust in the relationship when we do that. I know I have someone I know, someone I've worked with or whatever has 
you know, I find out after the fact that they really needed help, but they didn't ask for it and they struggled through on their own, I begin to wonder, do they trust me? What's going on here? What is it about our relationship that they didn't come to me and ask for it? Am I, you know, I'm someone that they didn't see could help them in some way. I think I could have, but at the very least, they could ask and I could say, hey, I don't think I can help you because of X, Y, Z. But that, in a way, damages the trust that I might have in that other person, or at least my understanding of their trust in me, which will in turn lower my trust in them. I'm thinking of a particular situation where I did reach out for help, actually with a client that I'm working with right now and navigating some technical issues. And the response that I got from one of the people that I made a request to, I immediately went, I won't be doing that again. I won't be doing that again. Because I immediately felt stupid for asking for help with what I needed help with. So it's also important as people who support people, when we're working in teams, when we're leaders working with teams, when we're in an organization, which is a network of conversations, when someone asks to respond with kindness, gentleness, compassion, how can I help you? How can I support you? Or I'd love to help you. I'm not the best person. So I'm going to decline, but here's where you could go. But it was quite gut-punching, actually, the response I got. I was honestly gobsmacked because I wasn't expecting that at all. And so to be careful, and none of us know everything about everything. We're not supposed to. So when someone has the courage, takes the time to reach out with a request, can we just hold that space for a moment, listen, and then respond with what we can and can't do? No shaming, no blaming. Yeah. And again, that points to trust being a two-way street. It goes both ways. If I reach out to you or anyone else for that matter, when I need help, and I do so because I assess that I trust them and that maybe they can help me with my request, I'm trusting that they will give me an honest answer back, for one thing, and that they have care, enough care for me to, even if they can't, to be caring, to be kind in their response. And of course, that person, I would hope, would trust me enough to be able to say, you know what, like you said, I, I can't. I'm not the right person for this. I'm sorry, I would support you if I can. Or is, is there something else that I might be able to do besides what you're asking for that will help you in this situation? And that in saying so, you will take it in such a way that it maintains the trust in our relationship. Now, I will add, after I got over my gobsmackedness <laughs> and exhaled a little bit, I realized that I made assumptions and assessments about her that may or may not be true. And so now there's a missing conversation. I will see her next week in person, which I think this is an in-person conversation. But I'll see her and I get to listen to her side because I do want to build a relationship with her. I do want to be able to trust her. I don't want to leave that story in my head. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's okay to have that initial reaction. We all are human, especially those of us that are Hungarian and a little extra spicy. <laughs> <laughs> Is that where it comes from? I huh? think so. Yeah, that's the story I make up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, good. And that also brings up something for me that I think is important, given that now more and more people are working remotely. You just said, oh, that's a conversation that is best had in person. You know, sticking with our topic of asking for help is, or being able to do that as a sign of trust. What was the quote again? Seeking help is an expression of trust. Yeah. So seeking help, doing so in this virtual world where we're either sending an email asking for help, or we have to set up a Zoom meeting to ask for help, or maybe it's a phone call. Those are little, perhaps, small barriers to doing that. So we kind of ask the question, well, why don't people, even though there is trust there, at least there is some assessment of trust there, what might get in the way? And there are these small barriers that can keep us from making the request. And so there's some energy that has to be generated to get over those barriers. And I see you smiling, so I'm curious what that's about. I just had a light bulb go off in my head. There is someone that I work with that I no longer make requests of. I no longer go to this person for help. And it just dawned on me is because I can't rely on him following through. So like seriously, the light bulb just went out. There's a reliability conversation that's missing. And so I've stopped making requests of that person because I can't rely on him. Yes. So I remember way back when I was doing coach training and the conversation was in this context was around reliability and saying yes and saying no and all of that kind of stuff. And saying no occasionally allows us to you know, set appropriate boundaries, but saying no too often and we become no longer an option for people. Mm -hmm. We basically disappear from their request list. Yep. They don't come to us for help. And maybe that's intentional on some people's part. Yeah. But I think most people just don't recognize that as what could happen as a result of saying no mm -hmm. too often. I think that taking this into the four assessment domains of trust, there is the request part. And is this someone that I can make a request of because I trust that they'll actually, if they say yes, they'll come through mm -hmm. or that they will say no if they can't or they'll make a counteroffer that would work out. So there's that piece of it. And if I can add to that, that we don't take no as a decline to us, the person, it's simply a decline to the request. Yes, yes. I think that's one of the most important pieces of this because yeah. we do tend to do that, or we're afraid to ask because we might get declined and that client might mean something about us as a person yeah. rather than what our request is. Yeah. And we often tend to not decline because we don't want to appear to be saying no to the person. That's right. So, yeah, that's a good point. Thank you for reminding us of that one. So there's this trust in that domain of reliability. There's also trust in the domain of care, obviously, that when I make myself vulnerable and ask for help, whether it's something specific that I've identified or... God, I'm just overwhelmed and I don't even know how to figure out what my request needs to be, but I come to you with that. I trust that there's care there, that you actually have my good. You support what's good for me here. You care about me enough to respond honestly. 
that you can do it or you can't do it or whatever it is. And that's the one I think that's even more difficult for us. That place of vulnerability in the domain of care. Does this person really care enough about me? Because if I make this request and they decline, what does that say about me? And what does that say about their care about me? Going back to your example of declining with care mm -hmm. so that the other person knows that that piece of the trust that we have between us is still there. It's simply that you don't have the time, the capacity mm -hmm. to do what I'm asking you to do. Yeah. And of course, there's the sincerity piece as yeah. well. Are you going to be honest with me about what's going on here? If my request is such that we have to have a hard conversation about something, can we be honest with each other about this? I find it so fascinating that seemingly such a simple quote as we unpack it and really look at seeking help as an expression of trust and all of the tendrils that get woven into what seems very simple to do, and yet it's not. So I'm also realizing and reminding myself that it also takes practice. It's also a competency. I've lived lots of my life without asking for help. It's something that I can learn how to do better. I can learn how to make requests, have conversations that build trust, accept declines, counter offers. That it's, I think, something that if we practice more and more, build that trust, it becomes just like anything, a skill that can be learned. Yes. And it's far better to do it before we really need help mm -hmm. than in the middle of needing help. There's one other piece that kind of, I think is important to bring up here. We've talked about this before, that people have a different propensity to trust. For some people, they'll trust very easily. They'll extend trust to others very easily. So I might extend trust to Bob, who I work with. And so in trusting Bob, I feel more comfortable, safer asking for help of him. So that's one end of the spectrum. But the other end of the spectrum is in the propensity to trust is you have to earn my trust. You really have to work at it. And if we're still in that phase where I'm looking at you as you're still haven't quite earned it yet, I'm in a tough place. It's harder, much harder for me to make that request for help, to be vulnerable in that way with somebody who has not yet earned my trust according to my standards. And I'm not saying one or the other is better. I'm just pointing out that for people who are more towards the, you need to earn my trust end of the spectrum, if they're in a situation where the people they might ask for help of, the people who are available potentially for that are still, <laughs> it's kind of outside their trust circle, if you will, that those people are in a more difficult situation. Conversely, when somebody is allowed into their trust circle, then it's probably very, very easy to ask for help of those people because that trust is strong, it's been earned. And at that point, I trust that you care about me. I trust that you'll be reliable. I trust that you are competent and I trust that you'll be honest with me. I think those are really powerful conversations that 
teams often don't have. So as we're growing and developing our relationships together, how do we build trust knowing that we have different propensities? We come from different perspectives. We have different life experiences. So how do we do that in a way that supports what we care about? Yeah. I think therein is the key piece for people in work environments, especially teams. We've talked about this before, having conversations about those things, about trust, about propensity to trust, about what trust looks and sounds like to each of the people on the team so that it builds those bridges of trust among the team members. And we can, when it comes down to it, ask for help because the trust is there. I have a little voice in my head reminding me also that I don't have to like you in order to trust you. But it helps, doesn't it? It does. It absolutely helps. But I think we've all encountered people in our lives and our professional careers where I'm on the same team with you. We got to do work together, but I, I don't really like you as a person. Yeah. We're never going to be BFs. And it's amazing how often people conflate those two. If I don't like you, I can't trust you. Yeah. Or if I don't trust you, I probably can't like you. Yeah. And I think that's a really important distinction to make and to understand and be capable of making. So mm -hmm. another piece to this. It's fascinating. Again, that one seemingly simple quote, and there's so much in it. Mm -hmm. I want to thank you for bringing it. I want to thank... Adam Grant. Adam Grant. Adam Grant. Amazing. Thank you. And the person who quoted him at this event that you were at, whose name again was... Jessica Jansen. Amazing story. She started a foundation called Love for Lewiston Foundation. Go find her, read her story, support her cause. She's making incredible changes in our world. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Ila, for this conversation. I think that this is a really important and worthwhile topic. Building trust before you have to use it, you need it in order to ask for something, ask for help when you need the help. And considering how you build trust and all of those pieces, all of those behaviors that go into doing that. Thank you for today's conversation. We look forward to the next one. In the meantime, we have had now a couple of episodes built around questions or issues that our listeners have sent to us. So we would encourage you, if you have a question or a response or something that you would like to share with us or something you would like us to take a look at and talk through in one of our podcasts, please reach out. We'd love to hear from you. So you can reach me at charles at insightcoaching.com. And you could reach me at ila, I-L-A, at bigchanging.com. Thanks so much, Charles. Thank you, Ela. So until next time, take care, be well, and trust. <laughs>